Amen, amen, amen. Lord, we love you today, Lord God. We honor you as our Father today, Jesus. And Lord, I know that there could be people in this room who are not excited or happy or full of joy in this one. But Lord God, they're beginning to, to realize that they maybe lacked a father or are missing a father or missing their father. And Lord God, I pray for an oil of joy in the midst of the road that they're walking down. I pray for peace and comfort in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen. Church, go ahead, have your seats this morning. An honor and a privilege to be a father, obviously, and to speak on Father's Day. And um, title of my message today is, We Must Be Like a Child. And it's taken out of the scripture text, Matthew 18, verses 1 through 4. And I will read that at this time. So let's open the word of God, Matthew 18, verses 1 through 4. It says, About that time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child to him put the child among them. Then he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And I have one of my children in the service this morning, my youngest, Nora, and I'm going to bring her up on stage. Nora, come up on stage right now. There she comes. Give it up for little Nora. (laughs) This is my little Nora. Let me tell you about my little Nora. She's spunky like her hair. She's got a big personality. She uh, loves it when I come home from work. It's like she's been waiting or something like that. I come up the stairs from coming in through the garage, you come to the stairs, she's always at the top of the stairs, so excited to see me, and I can't even get to the top of the stairs, and she jumps around my neck, she kisses me all over my face, and my neck, and everywhere, and says, oh, I love you, daddy, I love you, I love you, I love you, daddy, or we'll be sitting at dinner time, just, just yesterday, we're just, it happens all the time, we're just sitting and eating dinner, and she goes, daddy, I, I want to tell you a secret, I said, okay, So she climbs up in my seat. She whispers in my ear, I love you, and you're really cool. (laughs) And she has the heart of a child, the child's like heart. And she loves her father. And of course, she loves her mother too, and she loves her parents. And Nora will also sing songs around the house all day long. And this is what her songs are I love my family. I love my father and my mother, and I love my sister and my brother, and I love my life, and I love God. And she just sings all day long these these simple songs like that. And she is a joy to our family. And Jesus was right when he says we must humble ourselves like children if we're going to be in the kingdom of God. And God is attracted to a humble heart. And children have that a heart of humility, the, 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 the ability to tell you secrets, like, I love you. And, you know, I'm just saying, I've been on a construction cruise before. I wouldn't, I wouldn't stop mid-shovel and be like, hey, boss, can I tell you a secret? <laughs> I love you. But that's the kind of heart we should have for our Heavenly Father. 
And that's the kind of heart he has for us. And uh, so we can learn so much from children. Give me a big hug. I love you. All right, go back to class. The number one celebrated holiday is Christmas. The number two celebrated holiday is Mother's Day. Seems about right. Jesus, moms. Father's Day is number 20. I can't even think of 17 other holidays. Uh, There's no way you could either. What is going on here? Halloween. I mean, witches and and goblins come before fathers. So sometimes we get the the raw end of the deal at times. But today, we're going to celebrate fathers. And I believe that 364 days a year, fathers are ridiculed, embarrassed, made fun of on TV, seen less than. But this day, my fathers, this day, we're going to celebrate you. Amen? I think you're doing a great job. I think it's hard to be a father these days. And the world's making it tough on us. But you're doing a great job. Keep praying for your children. Keep loving on them. Keep teaching them and and showing them the way and, and being there for them. Let's do it, fathers. Come on, we can do it. Life is interesting, isn't it? Circumstances happen all the time over which we have absolutely no control. Isn't that true? And it's like we're sailing a boat and we do not know how the wind is going to blow, how fast it will blow, which way it will blow. And right now the wind is blowing on us. And all of us are experiencing the same wind. If we all go out onto the open water and we get in our boat, every single one of us will experience the same wind that day on the water. And it's true today for all the fathers in this place, is that the winds of the world are blowing against us, and some fathers are able to successfully sail in that wind, and other fathers have a hard time sailing in that wind. You know, when you are pulling your sailboat into the harbor, many times the wind is not helping you get safely into the harbor. One sail, sailor can sail his boat into the, the harbor against a strong wind and successfully get his boat to the dock. Whereas another sailor can take his boat against that same wind and that wind can blow him into the rocks upon the shoreline and he would say, the wind was so hard and difficult, it blew me away and into the shore against the rocks and I have, I have crashed my boat. But the wind is all the same, but the sailors are all different. But today, I believe we've got a room full of fathers. We've got a room full of sailors who are navigating their boat against the winds of the world, and we are successfully making our way into the harbor. Can I get an amen, church? A child. A child. Boy, they laugh a lot, don't they? They want to laugh. They want to have fun. I will be doing something what I deem important and significant at the time, and my children will have no problems coming up to me and begging 
to play a game. They've made up a game. They've created a game. And the game really revolves around laughter and fun. They want to laugh. Children are amazed at everything. Children love to play. They're eager to learn. They love people. They respect people. They're excited about little things. They forgive quickly. They enjoy life. And there's so many things that we can learn from children. I know every father, as they have children, they watch their children grow up. They see their children react and love and enjoy life and want to play games. And I know for a fact that every father has watched their children and said, I sure do wish I had the same joy as they have right now. Isn't that true, fathers? Because children are focused on things like laughter and fun and friendship and, and forgiveness. But as we age, as we grow up, man, we can become jaded to the world around us. And we can become focused on things that really are not ex- as, as important as what God would deem as most important. We get focused on success. We get focused on climbing the corporate ladder. We can begin to lose our passion for life because of hurts and pains and wounds along the way. We can lose our joy and our laughter as we go throughout the day and finally come home from a long day's work dealing with difficult situations and troublesome problems. It can take a lot to amaze us. We're not very eager to play anymore because we're tired and we're sore and (laughs) we're thinking about things and we're not in the mood. We can begin to not get eager to learn like we used to as a little child. It can be hard to forgive as time goes on. And if we're not careful, we will not enjoy the little things about life like we used to as a child. It can take a lot to amaze us, can't it, fathers? I mean, I just saw the new movie, Top Gun, and apparently it's, you know, all real, and all the flights were real, and the, the G-forces were, were real, and they didn't use any special effects. That was really Tom Cruise in an airplane. You know, I'm sure he was in the back, See, but he was still experiencing everything happening. And honestly, the movie was happening and all the stunts and all the amazing things. And I'm still sitting back going, eh, it's just a movie. <laughs> it can take so much to amaze us. You, I'm not getting in that airplane, but I'm still not amazed that somebody else did it. You know, it can, we could just be so jaded at times, can it? We're not eager to play. We're not eager to learn as much. You know, it's interesting because... I never went to summer school growing up as a child, never once. But for some reason, every single summer, we send our kids to summer school. And I'm thinking in the back of my mind, this would be the worst summer of my life. But I'm not telling my kids that because I'm sending them, right? But for some reason, they absolutely love it. They love it. They get, it, they get up in the morning. They get ready for school. They did this all school year, and then they get one week off, and then they're back to school. My kids are in school again. They're in summer school, and they're back to school, and every single morning, my, my, my daughter, one of my daughters, is so excited to get up and go to school. She's eager to learn. She's eager to grow. My son is eager to learn. He's eager to grow. He's got questions all the time. We must have that heart, fathers. Have you learned from your children about life like I have? Children can be afraid of things, too. 
Like my children can be afraid of the dark. My son went to the Five Below store and he bought this LED brick light. It's as bright as the sun. And we'll get him ready for bed and we'll turn on his LED light. And it's just as if the lights are on in his room, except it's blue. And he sleeps all night long with the blue light shining in his face. Why? He's afraid of the dark. Fear gets into their hearts and into their nerves and they can become worked up in this state that they get in. But I love it when a child is scared and then a mother and a father enters the room and their voice calms them down. Right, church? Isn't that good? But in our own life, in our own even spiritual life, it can be the same, that there can be terrors that come down the road to meet us and our hearts are seized with tremendous fear. But I love it when we begin to hear the voice of Jesus in our state of fear, just like a child, when he just simply says, it is me, do not be afraid. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, can take possession of our hearts. Isn't that amazing? My little children, they love their friends. They'll jump at the opportunity to play with friends. My children love adventures. They love learning about new things and experiencing new places. Man, Mothers, fathers, everybody in this room, have you ever just watched your children and thought to yourself, Jesus was right when he said these words, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I truly believe those words of Jesus. Children show humility when they do things like this. They, they love people. They forgive people. They love life. They smile a lot. They want to be close to others. My children, they all want to be in my lap all at the exact same time. When when my kids see their friends, they hug. They, they, They want to get close to each other. They want to get close to their mother. They want to get close to their father. It's a sign of humility to behave in such a matter. Humility means hiding under the shadow of God's wings. This is is what it takes for a man who is humble in spirit. Mark Twain, famous author, famous human, really, in the United States of America, wrote a book about life on the Mississippi River. He wrote this huge book about the training it took to take the steamboat down the river. The Mississippi River, it was a 1,200-mile journey And he had to learn every part of the river, both forwards and backwards, because the journey was down and back. It was rigorous training. At the beginning of the training, he had no idea what he was getting into. He had no idea what it would cost him to do this training. But he quickly learned that this was going to be the most difficult thing he had ever done his entire life. Because if the ship wasn't positioned properly in certain spots, it would actually become disaster, not just for him, for the, but for the passengers aboard that boat as well. The training was relentless. It was constant. The river is amazing and beautiful, but the trained eye doesn't see what a passenger sees. The captain and the passenger look at the same thing, but actually see different things. I want to read to you an excerpt taken from his book. It's a little bit of a lengthy read here, so just sit back, relax, and and enjoy a little bit of a story, I guess you could say. This is what Mark Twain wrote. 
I still keep in mind the wonderful riverboat sunset which I witnessed when steamboating was new to me. A broad expanse of river was turned to blood and in the middle of a solitary log came floating inconspicuous down the river. On one place, a long slanting mark lay sparkling upon the water. In another, the surface of the water was broken and boiling, tumbling water seemed to come up from beneath. The ruddy flush made a smooth spot that was covered with graceful circles and radiating lines even so delicately traced. The shore on our left was wooded. The shadow that fell from, that, from this forest was broken in one place by a long ruffled trail, and there shone the river like silver. High above the forest wall was a dead tree, a single leafy bough. It made graceful curves, dissolving lights of the reflections drifted steadily. Every passing moment, new marvels of coloring. I lost my place. Oh, new marvels of coloring on the surface of the river. I stood like one bewitched. I drank it all in in speechless rapture. This world was new to me. I had never seen anything like this river where I lived. But as I have said, the day came when I began to cease from noticing the glories. The charms which the moon and the sun and the twilight had upon the river's face, I no longer notice. There came a time when I ceased altogether to note them. Then if that sunset scene had been repeated, I would have looked upon it without rapture and would have commented upon it inwardly upon this fashion. The sun, how it is hitting the water, means there's going to be wind tomorrow. This floating log means the river is rising. That slanting mark in the water is a reference to a reef that is dangerous. It could destroy someone's steamboats, and it will one of these nights. The tumbling pools of water churning beneath the current lines and circles of the water are warning of the bank that is shallow and dangerous to my ship and my passengers. That silver streak in the shadow of the forest is a break from a new snag. That tree fall with a single branch is not going to last long. How in the world will I navigate through without that old landmark, now that I mastered the language of this water and had come to know every trifling feature that bordered the great river. As familiar as I knew the alphabet, I had made a valuable acquisition. I can now read the river, but I had lost something as well. I lost something that would never be restored to me again. All the grace, all the beauty, all the poetry had gone out of the majestic river. The romance and the beauty of it had somehow vanished. And all the value that I could see in that river was the usefulness it gave me for safe passage of my steamboat. And doesn't he sometimes wonder if he has gained most or lost by learning his trade? Life can become like this, church. That, that we can, if we're not careful... If we're not paying attention to our lives, we can become just like Mark Twain. That what was once beautiful, what was once amazing, what was once an answer to prayer has simply become a burden, has simply become a, a sign of danger, has simply become what you would consider the most stressful thing of your life. 
I know some of you fathers out there prayed so, so much for a, a, a successful career, a certain job, and you are getting it now, or you have that job, or you're working how you always dreamed to be working, but now it has lost its glamour, it's lost its glow, it's lost its beauty, it's lost its desire. You're no longer excited about certain bids and certain projects and opportunities. All you see now is a tremendous amount of work in front of you, a, a, a pitfall that could trip you up, a mistake an employee has made that could cost you millions, if not thousands of dollars, and you begin to see life like Mark Twain has seen life. Life as you live, it gives you experiences and circumstances that will attempt to take away your heart of a child. Let's not have it do that. So are you still joyful today, church? Do you still have a heart today or are you cynical or are you angry about everything? Because if we're not careful, we'll get so focused and learn about every little aspect of life to the point where we have figured it all out, but we've lost our mystery, we've lost our adventure, we've lost the joy of the unknown if we're not careful, church. Little children, they don't understand everything, but they still have joy. (laughs) My wife, God bless her, I love her so much, but she hates surprises. If she catches a hint that there could possibly be a surprise somewhere down the road of life, no, 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 no. This is a burden. This is a, this is a problem. A hundred questions will come at me about what's happening, what's going on, how, uh, tell me more. I, I barely, barely can do something for her that is a surprise. The worst thing I could ever do to my wife is in the morning say, hey, tonight, don't worry, I've got a babysitter. And I'm taking you on a surprise date. Oh, no. She's just now stressed. She's not excited. She's not happy. She's not elated. Where's she at? Where's she at? Oh, there she is. Oh, she's hiding. She's hiding. She's literally ducked her head down. No, no, no. Who's babysitting the kids? Who, who, who's watching my kids? What's, what's, <laughs> right? It's got to be the right person. Where are we going? What's, what's, the, what's the food? Uh, you know, wh- wh- how, when will we be back? How much, is, how much are we paying for all this? How much is, do we have the money for this? Is this? Do we need to grab something out of the savings account? You know, no, this, this, it's just like, well, I, and I thought I was doing something awesome, but it turned out, no, I've just stressed her out completely. What I should have done is the night before sent her a long detailed email about the, the schedule of the next day and, and every specific known to mankind so that she could relax and enjoy the journey. And if you don't know anybody like this, then you are that person, okay? But life is a mystery. And if you live long enough, you figure this out that, that things happen and you don't know why. You don't know what's going on, and life is a mystery. Our walk with God is a mystery. There's plenty of areas that we don't have figured out. But to be honest with you, I personally like it like that. I like not having all the answers. If I had everything figured out and I had all the answers, then guess what I'd be? I'd be God. And if I was God, we're all in trouble. Ecclesiastes 11 verse 5 says, 
Just as you cannot understand the path of the wind or the mystery of a tiny baby growing in its mother's womb, so you cannot understand the activity of God who does all things. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 7 says, No, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God. His plan that was previously hidden, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. Ephesians 5, verse 32. There is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. 1 Timothy 3, verse 9. They must be committed to the mystery of the faith, now revealed and must live with a clear conscience. (laughs) Man, as you read the word of God, you realize that no doubt about it, that this life is a mystery, that you will not get every answer uh, uh, to you. God will not tell you the reasons why everything happens, but we should surrender to the mystery and enjoy the journey just like a child does. Uh, My children know almost nothing about the world. They know almost nothing about life, what it takes to be a success, what it takes to be popular, what it takes to find love, what it takes to, to, to graduate from school. They don't know anything, but yet they enjoy life. Amen, church? 1 Corinthians 14, verse 20, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, don't be childish in your understanding of these things. Be innocent as babies when it comes to evil, but be mature in understanding matters of this kind. I love what Paul is saying here. He's saying, don't be foolish to the things of this world, but be innocent to the things of this world. Stay away from evil. Be innocent towards it. And I believe parents, we try our hardest to keep evil from our children, don't we? We try to keep evil away from them And we try not to be foolish with our own lives so that they can have the best life possible. Every single one of us in this room, we've got fathers. We all have problems to navigate. This world has ugly things that we must navigate. And every day I encounter problems just at my job and at my house. But what I've learned is this just biblical principle is just to scoot around. <laughs> it's just this, this, like, this problem is coming at me, and I just scoot around it, and I go home, and I don't bring it home. And many problems try to come at us, and people want people have problems, and they come to us with their problems, and there's problems in our own world, and we've got our own financial issues, and we've got our own problems with our kids and our spouses, and we're navigating, and we're scooting, and we're doing all these things. But all these problems, men, fathers, we must begin to realize the biblical principle of just the simple scoot around to say, that's not something that God's called me to. I'm called to go home to my children, to be a father tonight, to love on them. You know, I had a full week of work last week, problems and solving problems and phone calls and emails and writing messages and so on and so forth. And every single one of us had a, had a work week last week. And, and my wife called me on, you know, on a Thursday. And we were just talking on the phone. I just said, let's just go to the beach tonight. Let's watch the sunset. Let's just enjoy the water. Let's enjoy the warm sun and the cool breeze. Let's just scoot around. Let's just, we're going to take the whole night. We're just going to scoot around all these little problems. We're just going to push our kids in the swings. We're going to spin them on the merry-go-round. And we're going to swim. And that's what we did. 
And that's called the, the art of fatherhood. Old, the old scoot around. The bend in the river, right? The bend in the, you, some of you are going down the river of life. And there's been a bend in the river. And, and, and it's, been a, it's been a bad bend, a difficult bend, a hard journey. You didn't, you didn't see that one coming. You didn't think that that, the, that log would be there. You didn't think that bend would be there. But I really want to encourage you today, fathers, that God is still good. His love and kindness towards you is rich. Fathers, there's still something to enjoy in this crazy journey of raising kids and in living life. Our riches is God's kindness and mercy towards us. Not what our bank account says. Not what our employees say about us. Not what the stock market market says. No, our riches is God's kindness and his mercy towards us. Right, church? You know, it's funny, but I've gone to church my whole life. My whole life! (laughs) He's just laughing on the front row. My whole life! You know what? I've gone, there were some years, I, I would go to four services on a Sunday morning. Four. Some years. That's before this building was built. We had four Sunday services. And, and you know the thing is, I still love coming to church. I still love worshiping. I still love praying. I still love uh, and, and people, the house of God, the people of God, the church worldwide and in the local church right here. I still love coming to church. I haven't lost that. I, ha- I haven't been jaded. Were there opportunities to become jaded? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, about 25 good ones. And about 36 okay ones. Oh, yeah, for sure. But I'm not going to let somebody else ruin what I've got deep down inside. I got, a rich, I got a richness deep down inside that I still love coming to church. I still love praying. I still love worshiping God. Don't let anything steal your joy today, fathers. Elijah. We read the story of Elijah. I mean, this was a guy who was plowing his field, and Elisha stops and says, you know, hey, come follow me. And he burns the plow. He, he kills the bulls, and, or whatever it is, Elisha, Elijah. It doesn't matter. It, you know what I'm talking about, right? I can't ever remember which one is which. But this guy, this, guy's, this guy is joyfully and wonderfully and excitedly burning the plow, killing the bulls, leaving his world behind. He's, he's following the man of God. And sure enough, he takes the mantle. He gets the double portion. And we see him, you know, uh, 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 encountering the prophets of Baal. He's building their altars. And those prophets of Baal are, are trying as hard as they can to pray to their God named Baal to, to send fire from, from Baal to burn up their altar. And what's, what's Elijah doing? He's just mocking them. Maybe he's sleeping. Maybe Baal is off going to the bathroom. He's mocking them. He's making fun of them. He's, he's having a good old time with life. And then he prays a simple prayer. and Boom, his fire is lit up from the power of God. And, and this guy is enjoying life, but then something happens to him as he journeys through life. Because towards the end of his life, we see here that he has become depressed. He's even become suicidal. That there is a woman after him, hunting him down. He gets to the point where he, he even begins to doubt that there's any men and women of God left in Israel. God, is there even anybody left who loves you, who serves you? I'm all alone, God. 
I mean, this guy has gone from burning the plow, killing the bull, mocking the bales of prophets, mocking Baal himself, having a good old time, works of God like crazy, enjoying life, to depressed. Something happened along the journey of life. Something happened to him as he journeyed with God. Don't become like that. Don't end up like that. Joy is not determined on whether or not life is perfect. You ever just imagine what it would be like to be a bird? Just flying high above the rivers, the mountains, the forests. Just flying high above. And imagine all the amazing things that you could see. But some of us in here, we're flying over the earth. We're like a, we're like a vulture. All you're looking for is dead things. <laughs> there's an amazing river. There's an amazing mountain. There's an amazing field. There's, there's the shoreline of Lake Michigan. And you're flying above it all. But what are you looking for? A dead rat on the side of the road. You can't see the beautiful things. You can't notice the amazing spouse that you have, the wonderful children that God has given you, the job and the career that you have, and the amazing opportunity to live in this great country that we live in. You can't, you, you've got air conditioning in your house. You've got heat for the winter. You're flying. All you're looking for is a dead rat on the side of the road to go down and put your face in. And if we're not careful, we'll fly around like this. And instead of seeing all the amazing things, We'll see all the gross things. We'll see all the, the dead things. We'll see the half-rotten carcass, and we'll focus on it, and we'll, and we'll get a, a, a folk, and we'll fly down, and we'll get close to it, and we'll, we'll put our face in it, and we'll, we'll talk about it, and it's all we can see, and it's all we can do, and it's called social media. <laughs> it's called certain people that we'll just get all wrapped up in, and we'll get all focused on, but yet there's the beautiful world around us, and we just don't see it anymore if we're not careful. Ah, there's a, David was a father to, to Solomon. But these two men, I, I'm going to end with this, but these two men were so different in how they saw the world. David, rejected as a child, sent off into the field to take care of the sheep, rejected by his, his mother and his father and his, his, his brothers, sent off to, 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 to just get out. You just, you're a runt, you go. Take care of the sheep out there. Rejected as a child, finally as a, as a teenager, does something great. And it seems as if things have turned around for him, but no, but no. His, his teen years and his young adult years, there's a man named Saul who's hunting him down, who's trying to kill him and destroy him and rip the calling of God out of his, from, from beneath him so that he could try to make sure he never becomes king, even though God has called him to it. His, his entire life is, is on the run. He's a man of war. He's got blood on his hands. He's, he's a murderer. He's an adulterer. He's a thief. But yet we see things like this. In Psalm 103, verses 11 through 12, these are some of the words of David. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Oh, what a heart of a child he has. God says David was a man after my own heart. Despite a hard life, this man's heart was soft. 
But then we see David has a son. His name is Solomon. Solomon has almost the exact opposite life of his father. Solomon raised in a kingdom, raised as a prince, raised in a a house full of privilege with servants, reaping all the the benefits of David's battles. He becomes the richest man alive. He, He becomes the smartest man alive. But yet, even though all this was on his plate, he was jaded. Ecclesiastes 1 verses 1 through 8 is some of the writings of Solomon, David's son. It says, these are the words of the teacher, King David's son, who ruled in Jerusalem. It says this in verse 2, everything is meaningless, says the teacher, completely meaningless. What do people get for all the hard work under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth never changes. The sun rises and the sun sets, then hurries around to rise again. The wind blows south and then churns north. Around and around it goes, blowing in circles. Rivers run into the sea, but the sea is never full. Then the water returns again to the rivers and flows out again to the sea. Everything is wearisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. Boy. Ugh. If you're talking about maybe choosing somebody to be your pastor, David or Solomon, which one are you choosing today to be your pastor? Yeah, right? You, wanna, you want David up here t- telling you the good stuff of, the, of God, the good stuff of this world. Such a difference between Solomon and David. We must get a joy for the journey ahead, fathers. Amen? Let me end with just this simple altar call for you guys today. Sometimes I think about what Satan's trying to do. What's his goals? What's his purpose? How is he operating in the world right now? I heard a man of God say this. Imagine being at a pool party. But you never, you didn't come dressed to go swimming. You came to enjoy the atmosphere. To enjoy the food and the beverages and the conversations and the people and you're standing by the side of the pool having a great time and all of a sudden two men big and strong stare at you and have this look in their eyes like it's a pool party and you realize you've got no shot to escape that you're standing by the pool and they're coming at you and they're bigger than you And they grab you, and they start to take you into the water. They want to throw you in. They want to throw you down. They want to throw you out. They're hitting that water. What are you going to do as you realize your fate is set? That you're going in, that you're going down. What are you going to do? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to try to pull them down with me. That's what I'm going to do, right? I'm going to grab a collar, a shirt, hair, I'm going to grab the neck. I'm going to scratch and claw. And I'm going to bite and do whatever I can to take, either hurt these two men. If I can't get them into the water with me, I'm going to hurt them. As hard. I'm going to hurt them. Or I'm going to pull them down with me. You know, and that's what Satan's doing today. He's, he's thrown out. But his purpose for his existence is to scratch and a claw and to drag as many down with him as possible because he's lost. He's lost. He's after us today. 
He's after you. He's after our children and our grandchildren. He's after the world. He's grabbing and stripping and clawing and, 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 and destroying many. And he's killing many. And he's ruining lives. And he's trying to take down as many as he can because he was thrown out. He was thrown out by somebody much stronger than he was. And I really want to encourage all of us in this place today that 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 that, that there's no hope for for him. So he wants no hope for you, but this is what I want to say that your only hope today, your only hope today is belief and faith in Jesus as the only way to the Father. And you can never you can't ever lose with hope and faith in Jesus. You can't be dragged down today. You can't be harmed by the enemy today. Amen, church? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. If there's anybody in this service this morning who just says, I, I want to put my hope and my faith in Jesus today. He's your only hope, I promise. But you say, that's, that's me. And I feel as if that the devil is, is clawing at me and scratching at me and trying to drag me down. I just feel it. He's pulling on me. He's, he's ripping on me. And, I, and I'm just feeling beat down. I'm feeling depressed and I'm feeling bent down. And I just need to get these chains off me. And I just need to put all my hope and all my faith in Jesus today. He's your only hope. If that's you today, you want to give your life to Jesus, would you right now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, simply just raise your hand and say, that's me. That's me. Anybody in this service say, say, Pastor Lucas, pray for me. I want to give my life to Jesus. Oh, Lord, we thank you today for the hope we have in Jesus. We thank you today for the joys of life, the mysteries of this life. Lord God, I pray that we must, I pray that today that we would become like a little child, that we must become like little children today. We can learn so much from our children. And Jesus, I believe the words that you wrote, that you spoke when you said, that you are draw close to the humble. You are close to those who are humble at heart, just like a child is. And so, Lord God, I pray today that we'd become more like little children. Church, would you just stand to your feet today? Would we just end this Father's Day service with the song of worship today? Can you do that? Let's worship. <laughs>